Good evening. What's the highlight of the week? Thank you for joining us again tonight. This is MIT Podcast. MIT stands for Mindset into Transformations. I am Benjamin Huang, your host tonight. Here we have conversation with people who have done extraordinary things in their life. We discuss their story of success and the mindset drive them into achieving the impossible. In today's economic, there are 63% of Americans who are living paycheck to paycheck. 49% of Americans depend on credit card to cover their daily essentials living uh, expenses. 61% of the Gen Zer and 53% of the Monero use credit card to put food on the table. If you are our long-term listener, you would know MIT Podcasts and MIT Capitals are highly pro-cash flow. Cash flow buys what you need, and it would come in every single month. Our guest today is here to, t- to tell us more about cash flow, how entrepreneurs expand their cash flow, and how you, as an investor, should know about cash flow management. With this unique input, tons of value is here for you to learn. Without further ado, let's welcome our special guest today, Chad Zitnik. Happy to have you here, Chad. How are you doing? Pretty good, Benjamin. Thanks a lot for having me on the show. Love to have you and appreciate you coming to our show. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Um, since our last chat, um, I actually you know, learned that you've been doing a lot of work, you know, uh, n- not just on real estate, but also before real estate, you were an engineer, right? Why don't we um, give our audience a kind of high-level introductions of what you have done in your life and the highlight? Sure. So I started out early on in uh, construction and construction management. Um, I went to school for civil engineering and um, wound up working. My first job out of college was actually uh, working for Boeing on the space shuttle main engines. I was a uh, structural dynamics engineer working on the, the turbo pumps for the engine. So like a highly, highly technical part of the engines and a pretty exciting job. I wound up getting my uh, master's in structural engineering and then my MBA from USC and UCLA. I stayed there for uh, seven years. And then coincidentally, actually on my, my last year, my MBA, I was, um, my brother, both my brothers were playing football at UCLA. And so all three of us were at UCLA at the same time for one year. And uh, during that year, my brother had started, one of my brothers had started a, a lighting business and I kind of used it as my pet project when I was uh, focusing on entrepreneurial studies. That was my emphasis and kind of helping him set up the business. You know, he started out super small, basically him, my sister and a couple workers um, doing lighting. And um, so just helping him grow that business. And then uh, he had wanted me to come work for him, but it was, you know, super small business. I was on the executive management track at the time uh, for Boeing. And I told him, I said, look, I said, you know, get the business, grow the business a little bit more, get it to a certain level. And if you get there, then then I'll leave Boeing and I'll come work for you and uh, or work with you rather, because right. we were going to be partners. Yeah. And uh, and so so he kept plugging away. I kept helping where I could from a consulting standpoint. And then uh, and then he got to the level. He said, all right, we're here. Let's do it. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, part of me thought he that he might not ever do it. Uh, because I wound up leaving Boeing and uh, believe it or not, I had to take a 50% pay cut to go work with him. He gave me 50% of the business 
and he wound up paying me more than he was paying himself. So we both had to really meet in the middle and uh, make sacrifices as, as all entrepreneurs do at some point or another. And we, we grew the business and I uh, went full time, you know, a bunch of my engineer friends made fun of me and, you know, I went from work with NASA to, you know, working on Christmas lighting, wedding lighting, uh, event lighting for, you know, really, really small company. But fast forward uh, 17, 18 years, we grew that to be 75 employees, three different warehouse locations. And I wound up selling the business to my brother. And that's when I went back into real estate full time as an investor. And uh, has since then have been syndicating deals, which is essentially putting larger deals together with, with investors. Awesome. Awesome. So you started off as a great, you know, high level engineer, right? Turbo pump. That is something that, you know, probably very rare people would even touch on that level of, you know, details. Yeah. Um, and lighting business, you know, and, and, and you're, you were saying 50% of, you know, pay and, and grace sacrifice or whatnot. What was it like for you to make that decision to leave Boeing and work work in this uh, business with your brother? Yeah, look, it was it was very very nerve wracking. Um, I was I was married, no kids, but I was on a really good track, right? I had a great job. Um, you know, I was working out at different space flight centers and uh, presenting to NASA on a pretty regular basis. It was a prestigious job. So a lot of people questioned what I was doing when I wound up leaving there. And I was probably maybe 30 at the time when I left. And, um, but yeah, people were really kind of second guessing what I was doing. But in my mind, what I was really doing was betting on myself and getting back to my entrepreneurial roots. You know, I've, I've started or been a part of six different startups and, you know, I'm just very, very passionate about entrepreneurship. I've actually been a member of the entrepreneurs organization for over 10 years now, which is a worldwide group of entrepreneurs and it's, it's what I live and breathe. So I, I love doing it. And even, even today with, you know, my current business, CSQ properties, that's a, a business I started four years ago and uh, from nothing. And, and now we've got $150 million under management. So it's, uh, it's exciting building businesses. I love doing it. I love, I love the hustle. I love the creativity. I like being able to juggle a bunch of different things. And for me, that was a lot more attractive than, than the corporate path. And ultimately, that's kind of what drove me to, to leave Boeing at the time. This is awesome. Awesome. Right. I mean, entrepreneur, you know, need to go through this down term to really um, give them opportunity to build something great. And great entrepreneur usually are not a good employee, right? Because your mindset just consistently challenge you to be more creative and do something more meaningful instead of just taking orders, just do paperwork or whatnot. Right. I, I, I yeah, I'm totally unemployable. <laughs> well, I resonate with you on that and, you know, we can talk offline, but um, yeah, <clears throat> lighting business. Um, I mean, if you were to restart, would you really consider that as the path for you to to grow? You know, eventually you're getting into real estate, but lighting business, 
is that an essential step for you? Say if you can, you know, restart. Like, I guess I'm a little confused. You mean uh, about how entrepreneurship would would be integrated in that path? Yeah, yeah I mean, say because um, I mean, there's there's two options for you, right? One is you continuously being say, a civil engineer in Boeing, and eventually you build enough capital to start your you know real estate journey, or like what you have done in real life, you you know quit Boeing and work with your brothers on the business, and then get into real estate. Have you always, you know, um, like in your minds, have you always think real estate is your ultimate path forward? If so, you know. No, no, I haven't always thought that. I, I always knew, I always knew I wanted to do business like that. That was what I always wanted to do, and I didn't really necessarily know if that was entrepreneurship or or not. But at, even as an engineer. Or I guess when I was studying, uh, getting my undergraduate degree in engineering, like I always wanted to get my MBA, but I, I knew that if I did my MBA first, it was highly unlikely I'd go back and get a master's in structural engineering, which is very technical and, and it, frankly, a, a really difficult degree to achieve. But so, so I, got, I got my master's in structural engineering first. And for me, in my mind, engineering was always kind of like a backup plan. Um, I didn't understand or know at the time how great engineering would be as a, as a background for virtually any, any um, path mm -hmm. or, you know what I mean, anything you want to do in life. But it is a really great uh, background. I'm sure you can relate to this as being an engineer. You just you learn how to analyze things. You learn how to solve problems. You're good with numbers and spreadsheets. Um, you're good at evaluating risk. Like there's a lot of different things that, that you're taught as an engineer, even if you're not doing actual engineering. And even if I, even after I left Boeing, I was still doing like engineering consulting for several years, probably three or four years. I was doing structural engineering design for custom homes and small buildings. And that's what I was doing to help supplement my income at the time. And uh, so it's very, it's a very versatile background. And and as you know, even in real estate, I mean, we come across a ton of engineers in, in this in this field. And actually, when I was getting my MBA at UCLA, the largest background of people was in, in engineering. So so there are a lot of engineers out there, and it's great for a lot of backgrounds. Right. Um, but for me um, personally, I always knew I wanted to to be an entrepreneur. And uh, and being small business, you know, I, I did that since I was a, a little kid when I first started making some money with some creative ways, which we can get into later if you'd like. But it was um, it was just in my DNA. I, I, I love entrepreneurship. Perfect, perfect. So let's talk more about real estate. Um, what bring you into real estate? And like, who who give you the inspiration, or who give you the ideas that you want to get into real estate? So it's interesting. So I, I, you know, being in from a, a construction background and structural engineering with respect to like, you know, custom homes and small building design, I was in, in real estate, if you will, that way, but not as an investor. But as I was running my, my other business, I had a lot of very wealthy clients that had made money through real estate. And, and, you know, just everybody would talk, you know, especially like older people that had been in it for a while, they would talk about what a great investment real, real estate was in the long term. And they would, you know, talk about the tax advantages and, and leverage. And 
you know, I kind of knew on, on, on the cursory level about all that. But, but when I knew that I was going to be exiting my business, I really started diving into the education side of it, a little bit of networking and mentoring, but more so on the education side, uh, listening to podcasts such as this, watching YouTube videos, reading books, and uh, just really learning a lot more about the nuts and bolts of real estate. And once I started doing that, I knew that that was going to be my next step after selling the business. And I just threw myself into that 100% and uh, started just basically doing it full time since day one. And uh, and now it's interesting, like, it's, it's almost like, like, let's say you're, you're reading a book about how to ride a bike, right? You can say, okay, I got to do this. I got to work on balance, but it's not the same until you ride a bike. And then you're like, okay, this is what it's like, or this is what it feels like. The same thing with real estate was when I got my tax return back <laughs> and my, my CPA sent me my, my preliminary tax return. And I'm like, whoa, like I got, I got a huge refund in taxes and I'd never had that before. Right. Because I was, you know, W2 early on. And then even I was still getting a W2 as paying myself through the company uh, and having a W2. So I never really had really much write-offs. I had more running a business. You know, if you if you read um, Robert Kiyosaki's book talking about the four quadrants, EBSI, you know, I went I went from E to S, right? So I still didn't get to the B and I, which is you know being employed and then being self-employed and then running a business or then being an investor, right? And really, as Robert, Kiyosaki. yes. So. So then I got to see it. I'm like, wow, you know, I got a huge tax return, tax refund. And that's when I'm like, yeah, now I see, now I really know what people are talking about when they say the strength and power of real estate. Love it, love it. And um, uh, we, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will talk more about real estate and cash flow, right? I, I love the analogy that Chad just, you know, share, share with us. Really, you know, you have to, uh, learn about something from the books, from other sources. But until you do it, you have no idea how great that is or how terrible that is, right? So when we come back, we'll talk more. Welcome back to MIT Podcast. Today, we have this special guest chat uh, coming into our podcast and show, show with us on uh, basically how he has been able to expand his cash flow and his entrepreneurship journeys has been. Uh, Chad, you, uh, you you were sharing with us on the analogy on our um, previous sections, you know, how you recognize how great the tax benefit of real estate investor can be. You didn't fully recognize that until you really get your first, you know, uh, uh, you know, tax return that 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 you, you you recognize how great that is. And and what what is the the quadrant that you should be in? You know, according to Robert Kiyosaki's, you know, books, right? So uh, let's, let's talk more about your journey on real estate. How did you start? Oh, of course, you mentioned about you, you, you have uh, some work, you know, building up some project for other people. Uh, but, but how's your real estate investing journey start? Yeah, so basically, once I, I knew I was selling the business, I knew I was going to get into real estate. I had a brief period when I was thinking about going into single family flips. I knew a lot about single family construction, engineering. and uh, But as I learned more about it, uh, I learned about the strength 
and and kind of scale that you could get from investing with apartment buildings and multifamily. And so I just decided to jump straight into that. So actually, I have a, a pretty unique path in that my first deal was a, a multifamily syndication that I was the, the solo GP on. So general partner. So I had to do everything from A to Z on the deal, which is pretty rare. Mostly, typically people would partner with other people and they kind of divide and conquer. I was probably uh, perhaps a little bit overambitious and did it on my own. Uh, but I did several deals on my own. I you know, I had the background. I, I had a pretty good network. And uh, and so I just did it on my own. The the good news was I, I learned a ton from doing the, everything from A to Z by myself. The bad news is I only have 24 hours of my day, just like everybody else. So I was pretty swamped, pretty buried. I was doing, you know, deals in the two to $4 million range and, uh, and I couldn't scale that way. So, so eventually what I ended up doing was partnering with other people on, on larger deals. And, and that's what I'm doing today uh, or currently and in investing out of state, which was also attractive because we have a lot of difficult uh, legislative issues to deal with in California. So now I'm investing uh, outside of California, primarily in Florida, and we're just closing on a $67 million um, multifamily portfolio deal in Jacksonville. Awesome. And uh, so basically your first deal really, you know, on syndications was a, was you being a solo GP. How is that possible? I mean, walk us through the details and on how it's like, I know it's lots of work for sure. And probably you make a lot of mistake, you know, and that's making mistake is basically how we learn, right? So share with us on what mistake you have learned, challenges and, and, and how does, how, how it help you, you know, moving forward. Yeah, sure. So the the stakes, uh, yeah, mistakes mistakes are a, a path forward for sure, but the stakes are pretty high when you're dealing with investor money, right? right. So uh, most of us are much much more comfortable making mistakes and kind of learning on our own dime. But as soon as you have other people's money involved, uh, the stakes are much higher, and 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 frankly, you could get run into a lot more problems legally if you're learning too much on other people's money, right? So that, that could be a big problem. So, so I, I actually, I didn't make many mistakes um, early on. I think probably just because being an engineer and being a you know, lifelong student now with three master's degrees, I really did my homework ahead of time. And, you know, I, at the time I had, you know, over 20 years of, of business and um, kind of life experience at that point. So I, I was pretty well prepared. I still, you know, I, I leaned on brokers, you know, real estate brokers, loan brokers, property management companies, other GCs, right? I still had to kind of put together a team, if you will, of, of people that were, I was hiring to help to, to work on projects at different aspects of the project. But in terms of like being the general partner, I, I was the guy. So. Uh, that does have a, a lot of responsibility that comes with it. Yeah. And, um, and so, so yeah, once I made the decision that I wanted to do that, I just uh, moved forward and, and probably, probably took me almost a year to get my first deal done. Hmm. And, and interestingly enough, I don't know um, if you've heard of Michael Blanc, um, but I've, I, 
you know, learned a lot from him. And he has a, a theory called the law of the first deal, which means the first deal is always the really hardest deal. And then after that, the, the second and third are much easier. And, and literally two weeks after I closed that first deal, I was in escrow on my second wow. deal. <laughs> and that's literally like what he calls the law of the first deal. And it, I, I lived it. I mean, it really was true. You know, you could try to work with brokers for a long time and they don't really take you seriously. And then once you have a deal, then they start coming you, they start giving you deals. And, and it's, it, it just, it's a total shift yeah. in, in how things work, but you got to get that first deal across the finish line. And then things tend to move forward a lot, lot faster. Love it. Love it. And let's talk more about the first deal. How, how big was the, was the asset side? Um, I mean, cause so, the, yeah. Yeah, go on, please. So it was a, a 2.4 million, a $2.2 million purchase. And uh, it was a $1.2 million raise, which included, you know, closing funds, acquisition fee, construction costs, all that stuff came to, to 1.2 total. And uh, I raised that from probably maybe nine different investors. And I'll tell you, uh, it's just if we have a little bit of time here, it was really nerve wracking the first time around because I had I had a hundred and sixty grand of my own money in the deal. Uh, probably about a hundred k of that was was locked up already. Um, you know, my earnest money, non refundable, about a hundred k of that. And at this time, this was back in twenty nineteen. You know, the market was red hot. Um, there was, you would not, you wouldn't get any appraisal contingencies, no financing contingencies. Basically, I got a, a two week inspection contingency and that was it. So two weeks after, you know, go, getting it under contract, everything went non-refundable. And, uh, and that was nerve wracking. I didn't have the money raised. I didn't have the loan figured out yet. And, uh, and, and I had a hundred K of my money at risk. So that was very, very nerve wracking. So I was in a, I think I had a 60 day escrow total. So I'd already used up, you know, two weeks of that in inspections. And then I basically had six weeks to raise the money and, uh, and really dial in the loan. So I, I kept moving along, slowly raising money. And then I still didn't have loan approval yet. And, and actually I didn't get my last investor or loan approval until the week of close. Wow. <laughs> and it's like, that was, I was less concerned about the money because I knew I had enough money to close. Maybe I, I had to figure out some funding for construction still, so I, but I knew I could close. But the challenge was I wasn't officially approved on the loan yeah. yet. So your biggest so all my yeah, all my partner, like the limited partners, the investors, like they, they didn't have any money at risk. And I always try to make sure that happens. But I had a lot of money at risk. And it was nerve wracking. I mean, I was sitting there like, okay, am I going to get this loan approval or what? And it was very, very stressful situation. And then, and then finally, like three days beforehand, I get the official loan approval. Coincidentally, I wound up getting the last investor in at the same time. And, uh, and we closed the deal. And I barely sat down to take a break. And two weeks later, I was under contract on another property. Nice, nice. Wow. I mean, this 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 got to be once of a life lifetime experience, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I would not recommend people necessarily doing it that way. I think it's a little bit easier if you partner with other people and especially people that have, you know, have a lot more experience. Right. 
and do it that way is probably an easier path. But I will say, just like anything, some of the most difficult times in our lives are where we learn the most. And I definitely learned a lot doing it that way. So now, like when I work with other teams, they ask me, they're like, okay, well, what do you get at? What do you like to do? I'm like, well, I've done everything. So whatever your team needs, that's what I can help bring to the table. I happen to enjoy doing all aspects of it. And, and I've got experience in all aspects of it. So uh, I, I'm a pretty versatile tool or piece of the puzzle when it comes to that partnership team. And I can help out in, in a variety of functions. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, if you have done it all, even if the experience was, was, uh, was uh, interesting, right? Uh, you would you would you would definitely learn a lot, and you know, for your second deals and all the future deals, it would be much easier for you. 